G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 149 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again, episode 149. I have Dale Morris along with me today, ex-Western Bulldogs Premiership player, played 253 games for the Bulldogs, was a rookie back in the early days, had to do it the hard way, come through uh, the Werribee Football Club, the system there in the VFL and sort of got a rookie contract as a mature age player primarily and then sort of started to hit his straps, started playing senior games in his uh, first year pretty much and uh, never looked back since. So this goes to show that um, when we do the hard work, the um, the rewards come sometimes. A lot of the time, you know, I'm a I'm a big believer that if we uh, if we pay attention to what we're doing and focus on that, then the results will come. Um, you know, sometimes it seems that uh, that things come easy to people, but primarily um, uh, it's the ones that do the work that are really genuine about uh, what they do and uh, put in uh, a dedicated approach so that uh, they get the return on the investment. And that's exactly what's happened here with Dale. He's uh, been able to play in a premiership, um, you know, over 250 games, life member, all Australian. Uh, but more importantly, he's a very uh, genuine, caring individual. You know, nice, uh, nice uh, grounded man, family man. And, um, you know, certainly we're gonna talk a, a lot about that today, what he does to keep himself balanced and calm and. Um, some of the challenges that he might have uh, faced as a player and um, you know what he's doing sort of off the field now as well so um, I'm sure you're going to really enjoy this chat um, really nice fella and I uh, really appreciate uh, appreciate your feedback if you can email me support at backmind.com.au just want to make special mention to our primary partner that helped the podcast out Green Nutritionals so if you're lacking something in your diet you're feeling a bit flat uh, I really encourage you to check out their products and their website. They provide green organic superfoods which are available all around Australia at good health food shops but also online. So please jump on, check them out, greennutritionals.com.au. All right, uh, thanks for listening in. Really appreciate your feedback. G'day, Dale. G'day, mate. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much. Um, pleasure to have you uh, up here in Queensland. Um, how long have you been up? Yes, it's... Um... <laughs> Good to be here. The weather's definitely a, a lot better, and um, now we've been here for about a month now. We um, we decided to make the move as a family and um, sold our house back in Melbourne, and uh, yeah, um, uprooted and, and moved to to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. The kids have started their new schools and settling in really well. They would have thought, "What the hell have we done?" They got here and a lot of rain was bloody coming, and all the floods and everything. Did you get affected by that? <laughs> Uh, we're very, very lucky. We're just north of Brisbane, so we didn't get uh, uh, impacted too greatly. There was an amazing amount of rain. I've never seen anything like it. And we would uh, go to the shops, and I'm talking to a few of the locals, and I said, is this normal? Do I need to get used to this? But, um, they they reassured us that, no, this is uh, absolutely unreal, uh, the rain. We had a little bit of rain get in the roof, um, but, you know, considering all the other things that have happened off the back of um, those four days of just bucketing down we're, we're very very lucky yeah that's true up up here we were the same we had uh uh one sort of major storm and it sort of settled down but um yeah mate it's uh 
it's a funny time and um, you know, certainly um, you, you take the good with the bad uh, as you do with life, I guess. And, um, you know, the, the, goods, yep. the goods yet to come, the windows will be, be really nice, I reckon. So, Well, yeah, you, you, you're 100% with that. And also in times of adversity and times of, you know, when things do aren't going so well for some people, you can see the community spirit really come out, um, mm. you know, not maybe not so much around where, where we are because everyone's been pretty lucky but you know down south and things like that people are really stepping out and, and helping and you hear stories of people helping their neighbours helping their communities off the back of um, some really intense uh, weather um, and and that's the, the really good thing to come out of it I think. Yeah agree and, and see a lot of people that listen to this uh, in regional and rural areas throughout the country and um, that's a big part of it, mate. Like, you know, it doesn't matter when, um, when shit hits the fan or there's something wrong, people get together. It doesn't matter what um, religion you are, what, what club you break for yep. or any of that sort of stuff. It, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, does it? So. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're 100%. And, and that's the, the great thing to come out of it. And the, another big point to that is also it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, you know, we're we're struggling um you know where this has happened we need help to do this whatever it is you don't have to do it yourself it's it's being okay to reach out to uh, to ask for that help yes. too yeah well said mate tell us a bit about um your your journey like you uh, you were brought up in in melbourne and um yep. um when did footy sort of come into your life i think like any young kid down in Melbourne, um, footy was the dream. Um, to, to play AFL was something that I really set my heart to and, and me and my brothers and my mates and, and everyone, we all just wanted to play AFL and so that, that was always a burning desire from a very, very young age um, and I guess it didn't really start to take off until, you know, the those teenage years where you, you start um, developing and you start thinking about it more and more and and the big thing with me is I always believed I could make it. I always thought that I was good enough um, and I was quite determined to get there. And I'd, I'd sit there at night times and lay down at, at um, you know, at bedtime and, and dream and visualise on what it would be like to, to run out on the MCG, to run out and to play football. Um, I was an Essendon supporter growing up, but like a lot of people, um, the Western Bulldogs were my second favourite team. So mm. I'd often um, think about wearing the, the red and black, but then also running out in the red, white and blue as well. And, um, you know, it, it was it's amazing how things work sometimes, but um, that um, desire just grew and grew. And um, I actually, uh, you know, as a young fella wanting to play AFL, you were told you're... The only way to get there was to play in the TAC Cup. Mm. Um, and um, so when my time came and I was at that age to, to try out, I, my parents would drive me down and I'd go and train and I'd try out for the Calder Cannons. Um, mm. The first year I tried out, um, I got made the first cut, you know, and, and then sub, subsequent cuts um, end up getting cut off the list. And it was, it was devastating at the time. And upsetting and you'd always ask for feedback and the first time they'd say yeah you're kicking it's just not quite good enough go away and work on your kicking so mm. i go back to my local club the Essendon Duda Stars footy club and and go and and focus on my kicking and and really work on it and the following year when it's time to try out i'd go and try out and uh this year i put a lot of pressure on it because you have to make it if you don't make it this year mm. that's your afl dream over mm. um mm. 
And uh, so I, I went and I, I trained and I tried as hard as I could, make the first cut, make the second cut, get to the last cut when they pick the teams and I get the tap on the shoulder and they'd say, sorry, you haven't made it. Mm-hmm. And um, as, a, as a young kid, that dream of playing football, you know, it felt like all my dreams were just collapsing right in front of me and, mm-hmm. and I was absolutely shattered. Um, but again, I'd ask for feedback and say, what do I need to do? Um, and they said, you're just not quick enough. Mm. And I, it, it really, that was a real hard pill to swallow because I knew that I was quick enough. Um, I was quicker than uh, a lot of the kids that make the team. And and so that was a, a hard pill to swallow and um, very, very upsetting. And I remember on the drive home, um, I'd sit in the back of the car and, and I'd be quietly crying because I was that devastated that I thought I'd never be able to play AFL football. Um, mm which was uh, very, very difficult at the time. Mm. Um, but um, no, I went back and, and played for the Duders and, um, and at the time, um, it's, again, it's funny how things happen. Um, we recruited uh, a ex-AFL player, full forward, Simon McConnell, mm-hmm. um, and I was an underage playing seniors at the time and, and they threw me down to, to play full back. Never played in the back line before in my life mm. um, and got to do a lot of work with Simon and he could see something and that's all you need. When you're trying to, to reach that dream, reach that goal, whatever it is, all you want and all you need is someone to see your talent, see your strengths and see what you're good at and, and he could see it um, and he said, listen, I've got some friends at the Bulldogs and they've got a rookie tryout day. I want you to go and train. Um, and I'll organise it for you to go down, just train and try and see what happens. So um, I went for it. You know, I was over the moon, wrapped, rock up to the uh, rookie training day and there was a group of, of um, kids and older kids and much more mature um, players than me there and, and we trained and we tried out for this rookie spot. Um, unfortunately, I didn't make it, but the Bulldogs came to me and Chris Bond at the time um, mm. said, listen, we like what we see, uh, but we're not going to rookie you because we just don't know enough about you. Do you want to come and play for our um, affiliate team in Werribee, in the VFL? And we can keep an eye on you, watch you develop, and you just never know. And I couldn't get there quick enough. Um, nice. You know, I went there uh, and started my VFL journey at the Werribee Footy Club. And... Spent four years at Werribee, um, and at the end of every year, I'd go and train and try it at the, at the Bulldogs for that one rookie spot. I'd do the pre-season, um, and the way I'd rock up every pre-season, and the way I saw it was, you know what, if I don't get rookied, I'm going to be one of the fittest players in the VFL that's going to uh, potentially help me get rookied for the next year. So I'd go and I'd train with, you know, Chris Grant, Rowan Smith, Luke Darcy, Scott West, you know, the, the names um, of some of the, the greats of the um, the Western Bulldogs. And each year would try and, and just miss out. And then on my fourth year of trying out, um, I was getting a little bit too old to be rookied. So if I didn't get picked up that year, then I couldn't get rookied after that. So um, I was talking to... My local footy club, Do the Stars, um, about potentially coming back. And as a teenager, uh, you're thinking about, uh, you, you know, you need the money to, to live, to go out, to, mm-hmm. to do what you want to do. And, and talking to um, Claudio's IGA in West Meadows about increasing my hours to get more money that way. And mm-hmm. um, But fortunate enough, um, that time when I tried out, got rookied. And 
and then the rest is history, I guess. We got on the list and away we go. Unbelievable, mate. That in its essence is, um, is an amazing story and so valuable to anyone listening out there about whatever it is that you're actually trying to aim for. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, you know, looking for something athletically or, or you know, you're, really, you're really determined to try and succeed in a certain path. The, the, the ability to not give up is, um, is, is, is a gift and, and that's, that's got into your makeup really early on by the sounds of it. You've obviously had some good mentoring and some good parents around you that, um, mm-hmm. that were able to you know, keep you on track. And you, know, you could have fell into depression really quickly after that, um, that time at the TAC Cup where they you know, got you to the final, yep. final um, you know, sort of stage and, you, um, and you, you got knocked back, mate. And I've seen it before like with, with young fellas um that they've got there and they've just gone and hit the booze and the drugs and, and that sort of thing what kept you away from that what kept you motivated yeah you're 100 percent right what you were talking about before i couldn't have done it by myself there's no way known i could do it alone um so having that support network around you is is crucial um the family the friends the mentors absolutely everyone and and when I did get um, uh, cut on that last night uh, trying out for the call to cannons, I was absolutely devastated, flat as uh, any time I've ever been because I thought that, you know, all my dreams had come crashing down. But the support, especially from the family, was um, absolutely critical to, to help pick you up, um, to help see that, you know, you are good enough and to, to keep you going. And, and that never... that. That support network um, over your journey and whatever that is, it, it should continue to keep growing. Um, you know, during my AFL career, um, the same thing. The family was always there, and then um, you know, my wife, my kids. The support network grows and grows and grows. And at times when you need that support, they come out in droves. Um, and we're talking about before the, the weather in Queensland. The same thing is happening here. Um, people's support network is growing in the commu- community, and then. When it comes time where you need it, it, it's there. And without that support, you just would not be able to get through. Um, yes. And it's also the attitude of the individual. Um, you know, trying out for it was tough at Werribee, missing out for four years or three years in a row, and on the fourth year finally getting it. But it's your mindset and having that positive mindset that you know, if if I don't get drafted, I'm going to be fit as anything for the following year. And and um, as I didn't make a couple of those, um, I missed out on a couple of opportunities to get rookie to the Bulldogs when I was at Werribee, I was, I'd sit back and I'd think, you know what, if I don't make it, I'm happy with that because I'm giving this absolutely everything I've got. And at the end of the day, if I sit down and say, I've played in the second best competition in Australia, yes. that's, that's pretty good. Yes. Um, yeah. So still having that positive mindset during adversity is tough. Having that support network is critical but um it can be done mate yeah well, well said and, and and really you know the, the the secret of life is is actually like seeing adversity and asking what is this teaching me you know mm-hmm. um yep. with the bad weather the same thing what, what what's coming from this so every day we get these opportunities that present we can either take them positively or negatively and, and the reactive way is to be negative isn't it you know um yep. Uh, and that's okay though. That's okay. You need that that moment and that um, the the time to um, you know let it out um, and to vent and to get it out of your system. But it's how quickly you can move on from that to look at those um, the the positive um, opportunities 
to come out of it too. Um, a lot of people get stuck in that negative mindset and going, this isn't fair, why is this happening to me? Um, I should be getting more than this, this is not right. And it can really consume you. Um, but having that support network to, to get you out of that funk sometimes and to change your, your mindset on it is it, really, really important. Yeah, for sure. And, and even so, if someone hasn't got that in their in their in their networks you know to be able to look outside um you know there's other people out there that can help them um to be able to 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 make the changes and you might not get that professional support in your family network uh, or your friendship network you know so as to have the courage to sort of look for someone that's um, able to guide you and, and maybe that has done the work themselves that can actually help you you know move forward so you know you and yourself with regards yep. to what you've done as an individual a tremendous motivator and mentor, I believe, you know, for, for a lot of people to be able to sort of, you know, um, you know, dump the old habits and be able to get some positive um, lifestyle behaviours that can help people move forward. So, mate, yeah, um, thanks for sharing that. I, I, I'm a Bulldog supporter. <laughs> I have been since, <laughs> I, since I was four. My, my I knew grand- I liked you for a reason. Oh, mate. My, my grandmother <laughs> bought me a jumper when I was a kid because she liked the colours. And yeah. um, and I, I went through turmoil for a long time, like on the bottom of the ladder, and um, yep. you know, Kelvin Templeton was my idol, and Brian Royal, nice. yeah, those guys, yep. and Doug Hawkins, not so much. I don't know for some reason, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, sort of went through all those years, and then a uh, bit of success in the nineties, and um, yeah. you know, sort of agonisingly close, yeah, yeah, things things sort of you know progressed, and and that from there, mate, but. Geez, you know, I'd love you to talk a bit about your own journey there with regards to, you know, getting into the system. And then I think you played senior footy pretty much straight away and then sort of everything yep. sort of took care of itself from there. Yeah, uh, it's it's been an incredible journey and I've had time to sit back and reflect. And that's what happens when you retire. You think about your career when you're in it. Um, it feels like it goes in a blink of an eye. Um but um, once you sit back, you can really take it all in. And um, starting my career in, in uh, 2005, um, you know, I, I felt as hard as those times were being at Werribee for four years and continually missing out, I felt like I was more than ready and more than prepared uh, once I did get rookie drafted. Because um, as a rookie back then, you weren't, you couldn't play senior AFL football Um you had to get onto the senior list. And the only way to get onto the senior list was if a player, unfortunately, got a long-term injury and was put onto the long-term injury list and you could take their spot. Mm. Um, so as a rookie, you, you you just have to wait for your opportunity and be ready at all times. And those four years at, at Werribee, I was able to play against AFL-listed players in mm. the VFL and, and beat them. And I knew that if I had the opportunity to A, get on an AFL list um, that I'd be ready uh, to be able to play and and to go whenever um, that opportunity came. So um, in 2005, or 2004 rookie draft, 2005 was my first season. And unfortunately, uh, Ben Harrison went down with a knee injury um, a few rounds into the the season. And and he got put onto the long-term injury list and I got put up and... You know, like I said before, I felt more than ready in round five, 2005, um, Chris Grant's 300th game and my first game against Adelaide at at, uh, Marvel Stadium, that that it's called now, um, was absolutely incredible. Um, I remember 
being there and um, you know lining up first game, lining up on Mark Rusciuto, um, someone I've watched lots and lots of footy of, and shook his hand and said good luck, and he goes good luck, young fella, and. Before I knew it, there was an elbow going through my chest that I thought was going to kill me. He, uh, he turned around and just whacked me and whacked the wind out of me, and I was down. And I go, what is this? I didn't know this was AFL. <laughs> and um, it was a good introduction into into the game. And um, and then after quarter time, um, Rodney Ede came up to, to me and said, we need you to tag Andrew McLeod. And I was like, what? This is unreal. Um, and ended up tagging Andrew McLeod in, in my first game and really limited his influence and we got up and, and won the game and it was just absolutely incredible and from there um, you know I, I'm a meticulous preparer for games I'd study the game I'd study my opponents I would go to the nth degree to get my body ready for the game uh, four games and um, yeah, hardly, hardly missed a game for the first half of my career and, and got to play some in finals and, and part of some, some great teams. And, and then uh, injuries uh, did creep in and uh, unfortunately broke my leg. Um, and from there, just uh, unfortunately, injuries kept on coming. So mm. it's just one of those things with the game. Um, but because of the preparation I had coming into the AFL, I, I felt ready, but... Be, I didn't want anyone. Um, I didn't want to lose this opportunity. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. it was something that I dreamt of for forever, and and to actually be there, I didn't want anything to take that away from me. I wanted to control the controllables mm-hmm. and control everything that I could to give myself the best opportunity to have the longest career I could possibly have. Um, so, and that was eating right. It meant not going out and and partying and drinking every weekend it was because i wanted it so bad and i didn't want any anything to take that away from me and and as an afl footballer um it can all come crumbling down pretty quickly Mm. um and i didn't want that Uh, but i would play every game like it was my last game that i was going to i was going to get dropped the next week Mm. and never felt comfortable and just and that kept me on edge and it, it can be quite stressful and the stress and the demands of AFL footballers is through the roof um, and you can see why some players do slip into anxiety, depression um, and the like um, because of that pressure. But um, yeah, I just didn't want anything to uh, to let it, to you know, um, stop my career. Mm, mate, um, <laughs> lots of things come to mind then, but you, uh, you, 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 your girlfriend at the time probably thought you were a lunatic. But um, uh, she stuck with you by the sounds of it, which is a good thing. Yeah, no, and and my preparation, like sleep, for instance, is a very, very important part of recovery. It's an important part, um, you know, mentally to be ready for games and taking it that far that before one to two nights out from a game, I'd sleep in a a separate bed um, Mm. because sleep was was so important and, and my girlfriend at the time and then uh becoming my wife just absolutely got it she understood it and she was on board with it all um and then having kids as a player as well that adds another element of of stress and when you're trying to get sleep with young kids around can be quite difficult and Mm. she would take a lot of that um uh, on board and and do it herself and and like i said before you can't do things you can't have a football career without um the support of the people around you and behind you and and um you know my wife jen was a big part of that because she would 
uh, bear the brunt of a lot of things, whether it was um, looking after the kids because they're not sleeping and, you know, being up all night so I could sleep. Um, we joked that it was 253 games in the end, I think it was, and having two nights uh, of sleep on my own nicely in a, in a bed with no distractions, I, I owe her over 500 nights of sleep now that I've retired. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she'll yeah, probably paint them um, when she can, but, you know, all that, and diet, um, you know, she'd go to the, to the nth degree to make sure that I'm eating healthy, but mm. to have everything there that I need to be able to have that career that I ended up having. So everyone sees the, the footballer and the career of, of that one person, but it takes an army. What did your diet look like throughout the journey, mate? Did it evolve as you got older or? Oh yeah, completely changed. When I first started, um, I was told, and I, like you, I'll listen to people and, and take all uh, information on board. And early days, it was all about carb loading, getting those big feeds of pasta, rice and the like, um, two uh, nights out from a game and just eat as much carbs as you could. And, mm. and it, it, I guess it, it worked. Um, early days for me, but I could never understand why during a game I'd have a, you know, I could get significant stomach cramps and I'd feel heavy during a game and I was always exploring different different things and, and talking to other athletes as well. And um, and my my wife and another player I played with in Jason Ackermanis um, mm. spoke to me about a different way of eating. Um, and it was, it was along the lines of the um, kind of like the paleo type uh, diets um, and um, really cutting out that processed carbs uh, before games, eating high fat, um, high protein, low carb diet, which I changed. And uh, when I hit my 30s, which is, which is a risky thing to do, um, but I trusted the people that I was talking to and, and went for it and overhauled my diet. And honestly, I'd... I never felt better. Um, this diet really spoke to me and really worked for me. And we, as players, would get DEXA scans, and the DEXA scan will measure your muscle mass, the amount of fat you have, and all these other metrics as well. And after changing my diet, I, I loved the analysis and the data of things like this. And I would compare my results to, you know, during the prime in your early, uh, late 20s and mid 20s as a, as a footballer. And I was actually getting more, gaining more muscle mass and um, losing more fat in my 30s after I changed my diet. And that that's it really justified the, the move to do that. And talking to people about it, that, that was a diet that worked for me and I did the research on it. It's not a one-size-fits-all model. Mm. Um, and it's important for people, if they're thinking of changing their diet, to go and talk to professionals, go and talk to people and, and try things and find what works for them. What uh, what what was your like pre-game routine? A couple of days out, yeah, what were you, what were you pretty much eating? Yeah, I, I would um, basically shifting the diet the way that I did was changing my fuel source. Instead of becoming carb reliant um, to be able to get through games and to be able to have that energy um, to play the game, I went and changed the the systems in my body to use the fat in my body. Mm-hmm. So my diet before, or my meal before a game, I'd have um, your normal meals with, you know, it could be steak and vegetables, um, a little bit of um, natural carbs, whether it's sweet potato or something like that. But having the fats, your avocados, your sour creams, um, cooking things in butter um, to make sure I'm getting the, the, the right fats into my body so I would be able to have the energy to, um, to run out again. Mm, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, mate, um, it, it's certainly uh, you're not needing the Gatorade and that sort of stuff, I suppose, as much yeah. as what, uh, what they, they want you to believe. But, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of was the other way. I went high carbohydrate with myself and, and done lots yeah. of things athletically, but I, I'm, I'm 50 now and I'm feeling my body needs a change, you know. Um, yep. I just think as we evolve, they say a, a man's makeup changes every seven years, you know, to be able to sort of, um, you know, move with that, I think is really important. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what's going in our gut is, is basically, um, you know, reflecting what's going on above the shoulders too, you know. Yes. Um, um, if we're yep. getting too much of something in our diet, then all of a sudden, you know, our, our mind gets out of whack and that's when we can become anxious and depressed and, <laughs> and those sorts of things as well, you know. so Yeah, 100%. It. And that's why it's important to do your research and to try different things to and listen to your body to see what it needs, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you can really see and reap the benefits from it. Mm, absolutely, mate. There's no doubt. Um yeah, there's um, that's a, another podcast in itself on, on that one. That's for sure. So, <laughs> hey, um, with regards to, to coming through, and um, obviously you had Rodney Ede there, and then yep. then who who were some of the the main influences that you had in the in the club? Um, you know, as you sort of come through as a player and just uh, someone that was able to sort of give you that support and guidance. Um, you know, either. Uh, with regards to your performance on the field, field, but also being able there to be able to support you off the field as well. Yeah, I mean, off the field, it, it's quite easy. I've got my my wife and my kids. Um, they can, uh, especially the kids, they could really they're the they're the great levelers. Um, it doesn't matter what sort of a game you've played. You could have played the best game in the world, or you could have um, had ten kicked on you. You get home and you see the kids and. You talk to they. What's wrong, Dad? So I didn't have a very good game, and they don't care. They they want to go and play with Dad. They want to go and jump on the trampoline. They want to go and run around. They don't want you moping around and, and thinking about what just happened. And yeah. and that was a great um, you know distraction from the stress uh, of of playing footy. Um, and like I said, it could be a great game or a poor game. It doesn't matter. They just want Dad. Mm. Um, so being able to to park that, to bench that, and be present um, with the kids and and my wife at home was very very important and um you know i, I did joke and, and laugh with my parents when i finished um and even though i retired at 36 uh i think uh, it was in the end and um you know which is quite old for a, a, an afl player um after every game my parents would ring if mm. i'd played a good game or a, a decent game but dad would ring mm. if i hadn't played the best um, mum would ring to see if I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's still getting that feedback throughout my whole career was, um, you know, they, they were always there. And my brothers as well and everyone was there to, to help and support and um, to be there to lean on. Um, and professionally, I guess, the, the coaches throughout my career and as a, as a player, rely on all the coaches, especially uh, the line coaches um, and the, um, the senior coaches. So early days to get uh, drafted um, or rookie listed, um, that came off the back of Chris Bond, Leon Cameron and Alan Richardson basically all putting in a good word for me to the recruiters and to our new coach at the time, Rodney Ede, who had no idea about me. Mm. Um, he relied on his assistant coaches and trusted them to make a decision to, to rookie me. Mm. Um, so I'm forever grateful to them, but there I looked at it as... Like they're they're your coaches, they're the professionals. They so listen to them, 
um, ask them questions, um, challenge them at times, but um, always look to learn um, and and seek um, that information from as many people as you can. And senior coaches, I had Rodney Ede, um, then Brendan McCartney, and then Luke Beveridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and all three coaches were absolutely fantastic for my career. Rocket, um, he was a very strategic coach, and he, he opened my eyes on a different way of looking at the game um, and a different way of, of seeing things. And Brendan McCartney was, again, another coach that focused on the contest and so how to use your body and, and how important and to see the game from the contest out. Um, and then Luke Beveridge came in with a totally different way of playing the game that I'd never seen before, um, which uh, was challenging at the time because needing to change the way that I played to fit the team but I could see, um, well, everyone saw the, the um, benefits of, of doing that. And um, from all three of the senior coaches learned so much. And the line coaches over the years, you know, Peter Dean, um, learnt, ex-Carlton great, learned a lot from him, um, you know, picking up all the bits and pieces I could. And Rowan Smith, who was my long-time defensive coach at the Bulldogs, you know, had played with him and then he ended up being my defensive coach you know have a great relationship with him and and learned just so much um and challenged each other so much along the way which which is important too and um without those guys um and family and everyone else um definitely wouldn't be the player that i that i was yeah unbelievable. all person all person um on top of that yeah that's true person first and foremost but yeah that developmental side was was pretty key you know to be able to give you the the pathways and advice and skills and uh, and that's, uh, you know, learn from, from others. And you've, you've had a gift early on where you've, your mind's been open to continually learn. You weren't sort of closed-minded. And, uh, and that, yep. that, that is your real strength, I believe, to be able to, you know, um, just take, um, to take a, an open-minded view on things and be able to progress. And that's going to help you, you know, transition into, um, into life from, from, you know, post-AFL, I believe, which we'll talk about in a tick. But... Did you see? Yeah, did you see much about um, like you know with regards to, to mental health uh, challenges in your journey? Like you, you mightn't have had too many issues yourself, but did you see it yep. with many other players around you sort of that struggled a bit? Oh, heaps, heaps, especially probably um, a lot during the beginning of my career. Um, actually, throughout my whole career, kind of changed. Um, early days, there was heaps of stress and pressure anxiety um on on all the players and some players really really struggled with it um and there was a bit of a stigma around at the time especially early days in my career that if you were struggling mentally that you were told to have a cup of concrete and go and harden up um you know suck it up um keep going you'll be fine um which which didn't work and i I saw a lot of players um, come in as, as bright, hopeful talents and then fade away and finish their careers um, without seeing their true potential and, and see them really struggle, um, which, which was hard and, um, you know, really, really tough at the time. And you have your, your friends and people that you're close with at the club and you talk to them and, and try and help them through it. And, but it was, it was almost a, a period where you weren't allowed to talk about it, sort of, because you're a man. You can't show vulnerabilities. You can't show any emotion. You just you deal with it. You move on, and you get better. Um, but it it just it worked for some, but it didn't work for a lot. Um, 
And I remember there was a point um, when Robert Murphy was appointed uh, captain of our football club and we had a sports psychologist um, uh, at the club and and not many uh, players were seeing this the sports psych and um, we had a, a team meeting and, and uh, Murph got in front of the group and said, we've got Lisa, the sports psych. Um, you know, great resource, really, really important if you're battling, struggling, or um, don't wait till things are at their worst before you talk about it. If you're feeling something, just go and talk. We can catch it before it becomes a problem. But put your hand up if you go and see Lisa and maybe two guys put their hand up and and then Murph put his hand up. He goes, I see Lisa. Does that make me weak? Does that make me not as strong as you guys who don't see Lisa that probably are going through the same sorts of problems that uh, that I am, mm. but I'm not scared to go and talk to her about it. He goes, boys, it's not weak. Don't be scared. Get rid of that stigma. Get rid of that um, thought that if you talk about your emotions or you speak to a psychologist that you're weak. This is the best thing you can do to help you as a person, but also your football career. It's not the magic antidote, but it will help. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, he just broke down the, the barriers, broke down the walls um, and the stigma around it. And after that, all the guys would step in the office and have a chat. All the guys were, were talking um, and it really lifted the lid on our ability to, uh, to open up um, and to be and honest and be vulnerable um, with each other, which which was super super important. And I think if you add to that the the current environment that um, all of well we're all in, but especially the the younger players that are coming through with social media, um, the amount of people that have well everyone has mobile phones, so everything can be uh, recorded, taken photos of. So you as a player, you're always on. Mm. You, you don't have that opportunity to relax, which is important for your mental health. But if mm. they don't feel like they can relax and, and go out and have a few drinks with their mates without it coming back or um, being turned into a, an issue, um, it's really, really hard for them to, um, to have that opportunity to relax. But um, no, they were, I think today the players, they're doing it pretty, pretty tough with it all and it'd be, it'd be very tough to manage. But um, the clubs have great resources at hand for for those players to be able to get through it. Mm, just a bit like uh, changing your diet, isn't it? You know, like you you, you got a yep. stuck mindset. You've done things a certain way. Well, now let's uh, let's take a different approach to things. And it's really yep. tremendous to see that things have opened up. Um, you know, with regards to that. And one fellow that's going to come on this um, uh, soon uh, that you played with is Tom Boyd and. I always admired yep. him, um, you know, to be able to stand up and sort of, uh, you know, move out of the system the way that he did. But also, you know, um, yeah, I, he was someone that I observed maybe struggled with uh, his journey uh, with um, with being a high draft pick and, and all the stuff that sort of come with that, I suppose, too. Yeah, definitely. And add to that, like, you have um, a lot of people commenting on a situation like Boyd's mm-hmm. where they look at him so number one draft pick, getting paid heaps of money to play AFL football. What problems could he have? Yeah. Why? How could he be struggling? Why would he be suffering from mental health? But mental health doesn't discriminate. Mm. It'll it'll come and it doesn't care if you're making millions. It doesn't care if you're making nothing. Um, and Boydie had his own you know battles and challenges with that. And and 
to hear his his story and and to see what he was able to do whilst going through what he was going through is, is pretty incredible. Mm, I agree, mate. I agree. I I can't wait to have a chat to him. You know, and we've had some uh, some discussions offline, but we're going to sort of uh, break it uh, break it down a bit when we when we do a podcast. I think, and, um, and that'll Beautiful. be tremendous. Listen for people because there's lots of value in that. I think, and mate. Um, We'll uh, we'll get to the important or one of the important parts of um, of something which I'd never thought I'd thought I'd see in my whole lifetime was actually you guys <laughs> winning a premiership and I, I I just resigned to the fact years ago when Gold Coast came in I thought oh, I'm just going to go and follow them now because uh, they might win a flag but uh, yep. what what happened? Oh, that was incredible and it's good you're getting Boydy on soon so he'll be able to um, fill you in on that as well but mm. um, you know. It, it, I was like, like yourself, uh, we we got close so many times, even when I was playing and before I was playing, To the Bulldogs would reach prelims but just couldn't quite get over the line to get to the grand final. And, um, you know, we went through a, a pretty tough, um, challenging phase um, when, you know, in one year we lose our, our coach, our captain and the CEO of our, of our club. Mm-hmm. Um, and the club, it felt like, and that was in two, the end of 2014, felt like it was just in freefall um, that was spiralling out of control. And and then the club made some very, very important decisions. And, and Luke Beveridge being appointed as coach and Murph being appointed as captain were those two massive, um, important decisions. And and since then, they, they basically um, grabbed, the, grabbed the wheel of the ship and, and held her steady and... Um, Bevo came in with this uh, different style of, of playing, um, which we'd never seen before. But the players, we had a great, we have a great group of players, and they were just open um, and willing to learn. And 2015, we got to see glimpses of that and, and make the finals, and um, it was a real eye opener for, for us as a playing group. And two, <clears throat> 2016 rolled along, and and nothing ever just happens. Um, and but we were super confident um and i would go into every seat every season thinking that we can win the premiership um and in 2016 it was the same again and we had our challenges throughout the year and and um ended up finishing seventh on the ladder um and heading into a final series with some big injury injury clouds over some very very important players and um if we didn't have that week off before the final series we would not have made the grand final because um, we had players uh, Libba, McRae, Johannesson, myself, um, uh, uh, Ruffy, um, all these players with serious um, injury injury clouds. Actually, Ruffy got injured during the finals. Um, and um, so having that week off was, was super important. And unfortunately for me, I had a, quite a significant injury coming in and and I copped a knock in the, the last game of the year and um, uh, and fractured the um, transverse process of my lower back, two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're the, the wings on your spine and, and I've got a hit and two of those snapped off um, and it was excruciating pain um, that I actually thought that I may not have even played in the final series, let alone the grand final. And um, I think we spoke about before the support network and having the right people around you and I would go off and get my scans and, and talk to um, doctors and specialists and we'd get the results and my number one concern wasn't am I going to play football again, um, wasn't am I playing the finals, it was am I going to be okay to be 
dad to my to my kids and husband to my wife and be able to run around and, and play with them and and they reassured me and said you will be fine um you'll be able to pick your kids up and play with them um at the moment it's very sore um but it will heal and you'll be able to just live your life as normal and say okay now can i play um am i going to be okay for that first week of the finals and and uh they reassured they said it's going to be a pain management issue um if you can manage the pain then you will be fine um it'll be sore but you can play so um having the, the doctors around me and some effective pain management um week in week out um i was able to to get through but that um that first the the first final were with the week before, two weeks before, we played Fremantle in in Perth, and Fremantle down the you know near the bottom of the ladder, ladder Pav's last game, um, and they came out and they smashed us, mm. um, absolutely wiped us, and then two weeks later we're coming back to play West Coast on their home deck um, in a final, and no nobody beats West Coast um, at home in a final. The last time I did that, we lost by about a hundred points, I think it was. <laughs> So um, we went and changed the way we did things, changed the hotel we stayed at, changed the time frames that we were up there and came out and just played unbelievable. Liam Picken, you know, underst- undersized centre-half forward was dominating. He was playing like Brad Johnson, mm-hmm. um, running around everywhere, kicking goals, and the team just just clicked and, and we won. And uh, before the final series, no one really was giving us a chance. We finished seventh just got smashed by Frio and we came out and we beat West Coast in Perth. You know, and we finished the game and we sing the song loud and we celebrate, get around each other, it's exciting. And then we instantly start thinking about the next week and we're playing Hawthorne at the MCG, the juggernaut in Hawthorne Football Club who have won multiple premierships and have just been dominating for a long period of time on their pretty much their home deck. So um, we uh, we prepare for the game and, and we get through and the the morning of the game I, I wake up and my back is cooked I can't move I can't bend I, I can hardly even take a step I'm on the phone to the physios and the doctors I can't I I don't know if I'm going to be okay um, they said get in to the ground as soon as you can so I'd get up I'd have my breakfast and prepare and I'd leave super early to get to the ground to see the doctors and the physios and they were able to manipulate my back as best they could and, and, and provide me with some pain relief to get me up to be able to play and and so we run out um, to take on Hawthorne and you know a real arm wrestle um, but it got to a point where Hawthorne started kicking away and the crowd was building and we're thinking oh well you know here they go but there was one point where I think it was uh, Bonte out-muscled um, Hodge in a marking contest and kicked kick the goal. And after that point, the momentum was all our way. The crowd got behind us and we got up and we beat the Hawks, which was absolutely unreal. Um, and you could also feel the support generating from not just the Bulldogs um, faithful, but AFL supporters people from other teams that started jumping on the bandwagon of the bulldogs and and getting on board and it was almost like this tidal wave building of support um uh, for our club and especially the next week when we're coming up against gws um and they're a, a club that can polarize um supporters um 
and we could feel huge support um, coming into this game. And as a club, it's another prelim. You know, here we go. We're we're coming into another prelim. Can we get over the line to get to the grand final? And um, I remember running out uh, onto the ground for this game, and the cheers. It was, the crowd was three quarters bulldogs. Um, it was going nuts. And so we run out, and then GWS run out, and all you can hear are boos, overwhelming boos. There was only a quarter of GWS supporters there, and everyone else was booing them on the way out, and it was quite unreal because this is their home ground mm. um and um me never too far away from um you know um causing a scene i in the warm-up um went to take off and it felt like my achilles popped um it was some excruciating pain down in my achilles in in the warm-up and um i couldn't put any weight on my on my right leg and the the doctors and the physios came and um that we had to wedge, um, I think it was four or five heel raises in my boot, so it was like I was wearing a high heel <laughs> shoe um, to, to get through the game and had some more pain relief and was really actually quite concerned I wasn't going to get through. And we had the um, the emergency player um, suited up and ready to go just in case I was a late withdrawal, but was able to get through. And, and you talk about arm wrestles, that game went all the way down to the wire and um, it was an unreal game to be a part of. And to get over the line and to, and to win the game the way we did against the team that we've got some some history with in such a short period of time, it, it was overflowing with emotion. There was way more emotion attached to that win than there was with the grand final because as a Bulldog supporter, to be in so many prelims and not get over the line and not get to that grand final has been heartbreaking. So to finally get there, to finally get that win there was an outpouring of emotion, not only from our supporters, but the players um, and and staff and everyone involved. And, and we just we were shell-shocked, really. We just went in and celebrated, sung the song louder than we ever have before and, and enjoyed the moment. Um, and then once we got back to Melbourne, it was, OK, we're preparing for a grand final. Mm. Um, and that week, that build-up was, was absolutely incredible. And... We just took it all in our stride. We embraced it. We didn't want to fight anything. It's a grand final. Let's enjoy every every second of it. Um, from you know the media being all over you, from open training sessions to the the grand final parade the day before, which is not your usual routine. Um, and um, I remember the, the grand final and, and running out and the, the roar of the crowd and the, the smell of the grass and the atmosphere. That's that was something that I'd been visualising ever mm. since, you know, before I even got drafted, was, yeah. was that moment of running out on grand final day with the sun on your back, the smell of the grass, the, the sound of the crowd um, was something that I, I'd lay down and, and think about and visualise for, for years and years and years. Um, and the other thing that, uh, that I did visualise and, and to think about was... Um, getting that grand final medallion off the the Oz kicker up on stage on the at grand final day and and uh, you wouldn't believe it that it, um it's exactly what happened and to get to win that game and and to have the not just the the bulldog supporters right behind us but the AFL community pretty much behind us and supporting us was it was absolutely unreal mm, mate uh, unbelievable you know geez you 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 just come back to 
the core of it, that, that, that dream and that visual, visualization is, uh, is very real and relevant because if you can do that, whether you're dreaming of playing in a premiership or whether you're dreaming of achieving something or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it can come true. You know, it really, yep. really can. And um, do, how, I was just curious, like, how is your body leading up to the game? Yeah, um, throughout the, the final series, each finals game, there was an issue, whether it be my back, whether it be my Achilles or something, come grand final day, I hadn't felt better. It was, I felt um, ready. Um, I was well managed by our fitness staff throughout that week and, um, you know, I didn't do the, the main sessions and, and did the training that I needed to do to get myself right, um, which, you know, the, the fitness staff had a tailored approach for, for everyone playing. Um, so I felt um, felt primed, ready to go. Mm, unreal. Mate, so lucky. Just think about it when you mm. started. That was 10 years before, 11 years before. Mm. You probably wouldn't have had the uh, ability to be able to treat someone as well back then as if you <laughs> you did in 2016, no. you know. So the timing was yep. uh, was very, very right and, and perfect for, for the outcome, I guess. Yeah, some things are just meant to be, aren't they? So with regards to your, your, your own journey personally, like who were the... Like you, you probably would have had a good core group of mates, or probably lots of them that have um, that have sort of come through with you, and you're still obviously in contact with them and so forth today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you've got your your family, my my brothers. Um, you know, they've been huge supports of mine as well. Um, you know, my wife and kids, obviously, and um, my best mate who actually um, married my wife's best friend and moved up to Brisbane. Um, <laughs> Uh, a while ago so you know yeah and over the journey you just get um you know you do get really close with those people that are are there and and supporting you throughout it and a lot of people um you know come come around and and uh and have been that huge support for me to get me through that's um that's for sure Mm. yeah mate it's um Look, it's you're not you're not quite 40 yet you've got so much of a um uh you know uh uh, another journey in your life uh, to sort of you know embrace and look forward to what are some of the things you want to try and work towards now what are you visualizing now that um, you'd like to try and uh, create in the future yeah and that's a good one you you do need your purpose and your why um on on why you're doing things and and stuff like that and for me at the moment and, and that can always change and evolve with with um where you are in your life um for me at the moment it's been uh, that my career was absolutely fantastic. Um, loved it. Was able to achieve so much, meet so many people. But it, it also took a, a big investment from my my family, my wife and my kids in particular. So at the moment, it's a, it's about giving back, um, and hence the move up to Brisbane. It's all been about family and and doing what's what's best for for my wife and kids, and being there and, and supporting them and. And giving them um, everything that they need is is something that um, is is driving me, um, and always will. Um, but knowing what they uh, did for me, um, for for my career, it's it's important to give back. And same with the family and friends and things like that. So um, that's been my my driver. Yeah, good stuff, mate. It's um. Yeah, look, you know, you, you've got a couple of kids coming through. Who knows what their journey is going to take? So to be able to, um, you know, sort of keep uh, 
keep uh, true to them and make sure that they're progressing well and going into something in life that they love and enjoy. And I think that that's the most important thing, isn't it? Like, if we can actually like find something that we really love doing, then you know life becomes a real real joy um, at the end of yeah. the day. Because you know, if your young bloke gets to eighteen and says, "Oh, Dad." I don't want to be a, uh, a footy player. I want to be like a musician or, or whatever it might be. Yep. Well, you know, if you can help him sort of uh, focus on that and, uh, and he's got a, a dream with regards to that, um, you know, and getting to a certain level, then, then that's great to have a father that's able to, you know, support a young fellow through, um, you know, his purpose in life. And, and that way life can be a real, a real, uh, real joy, you know, rather than struggle. And, and that's what a lot of us are doing in modern society where we're struggling, whereas, um, you know, if we can start to focus on the things that are important, I think it makes a huge, um, huge difference to our mental health. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and uh, you, I guess it's a double-edged sword with the career that I've had. And um, uh, a lot of people say, oh, you've got two boys. Oh, beautiful. They're going to be father-sons. They're playing football. Um, yeah. Surely you're, you're making them play football. It's like, no, I'm not making them do anything. I'm letting them, I'll expose them to a lot of things and I'll let them decide what they want to do. I'm not going to push them to be footballers just because I was a footballer. Um, they, they might get into, like you said, it could be um, music, it could be dance, it could be cricket, it could be soccer, it could be, it could be, it could be footy. Um, but um, letting them find what makes them happy is important without um, any preconceived ideas from, from me or anyone else. It's to let them discover who they are. Yes. Yeah, well said, mate. And it doesn't matter what age you are. I, I believe like any male or female listening to this, if they've got something underneath that's saying to them, I wish I could have done this or I wish I could do more of that, you know, to actually follow that, I think that's really important because we've all got a purpose and we've all got something inside us and sometimes that gets squashed. You know, it can get really sort of taken away from us. And you go back to yourself as a, as a young fella, you know, that dream sort of got squashed, but you, you never really gave up um, from being able to, um, you know, stay true to that. And I think that's that, that in its essence is, um, um, you know, one of the gifts of humanity. If you've got that drive, I just think it's so, so important, mate. Yeah, well, the dream, it got, it got challenged. It got significantly challenged. And that, that's where the... The decisions um, and where you take it after that is, is important, um, you know, and it, I don't think dreams can get um, absolutely squashed. There, there's always opportunities there and it might shift or it might change, but definitely got challenged. Mm, no doubt. And I would have thought that the time to reflect would have came uh, on that after you uh, had the premiership medal around your neck. And <laughs> I, I guess you probably wanted a few more after that too, but you can leave you know, that part of your life and that journey with um, a lot of, um, you know, fond memories and respect and, geez, mate, um, you know, you've got such a tremendous platform to be able to, you know, create the next 40 or 50 years for yourself. So, um, you know, everything you've done um, has happened for a reason and, uh, yep. um, you know, just be proud of uh, that part of your life and, and what's to come. So, mate... Oh, um, definitely. I, was, I started... Uh Kicking myself, I didn't visualise winning multiple premierships, not just the one. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned before, like it, it was something that I never thought I'd, I'd see uh, as an individual. And yep. I'm so grateful to see that and I'm, I'm so grateful to see Richmond and, uh, you know, it was domination throughout my whole childhood of Essendon and Hawthorne yep. and, 
you know, all those clubs that Geelong. were... Um, yeah, yeah, Geelong, that's right. So you, you just got not, not so much sick of uh, seeing the, uh, <laughs> the same old, same old, but uh, to see some variation and variety now, I think, is so important. And I would never have ever thought that I, I would have seen Melbourne winning a grand final yep. last year, but I was at a guy's place that's back for Melbourne since he's a little fella, and, and he felt the same as what I did when I saw the Bulldogs win it. And so yep. things can change, oh, mate, that's exactly. for sure. And that's, that's what I love, uh, loved about... Winning the premiership, but not just winning the premiership, um, playing football is you can see the joy that it gives so many people. It's a bit of an outlet um, for, for so many people. And um, to have, you know, back in, in Melbourne to walk around the shops um, doing your shopping and you get you can get anyone from, you know, a young kid to a, a grown adult running up to you to talk about football, to talk about 2016 and, and how much it, it meant to them. It's pretty special, and I reckon that's one of the best things of, of playing football is is what it's not just what it's doing for me as a, as an athlete and for a career, but it's also what it means to so many people, um, you know, and and what it can do for them. Um, it, it's pretty special. There's not many jobs like it. Yeah, agree, mate. And that's it. If you can do something which helps improve someone else's life, uh, I think yeah. that's uh, that's so valuable. You know, from from what. Uh, what you get from it personally, like that's the the trap we have in modern life. If you give it something, you want you want, you want to receive something too. But if you give something mm-hmm. and that helps someone on their journey to be able to progress and become more self aware and more confident and all those sorts of things, and then that's really um, what humanity is all about. I, I believe you know we've got such a divided society, and um, you know I yep. guess we need to uh, work within ourselves to be able to take that power back because um, you know it's getting pushed the other way um, you know pretty rapidly. Yep. So. Just got to make sure that um, we stay true to ourselves and true to what it is that keeps us grounded at the end of the day and life can be pretty good. Uh, I've got some um, old mate just turned up here mile along down the front, so sorry for the background noise there, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to go out and tell him off, so it's all good. But, <laughs> but mate, um, how could people get hold of you if they want to reach out? Or um, one, one good thing that's probably come out of this in some ways is you're probably not going to get hassled as much as what you would in Melbourne walking around the streets because no one, no one would recognise you. So. Yeah, it's all about rugby up here. <laughs> it um, is. It's, um, no, I didn't, and the, although there's been a lot of Victorians that have migrated up to Brisbane, so you just mm-hmm. never know. But yeah, um, no, if, if people um, come up and have a chat, I'm more than happy to, to give them the, you know, a chat and have... And, you know, just talk footy and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, that's up to the, the individuals and for people to, to reach out. You know, it, everyone, it's that six degrees of separation. It's incredible. It's probably more like two degrees of separation, um, you know, with um, how, we, how close everyone is. Mm, that's right. Oh, I agree, mate. You're dead right, absolutely. Um, you know, the world has changed a lot, um, you know, and... Yep. Uh, I just think if we can sort of embrace things and, and learn from, from you know, uh, the, the stuff that we may seem as being negative, and I believe, you know, if we can see a lot of that with compassion, uh, then all of a sudden we can start to uh, transform our own lives and, uh, and be more balanced. You know, one thing I was going to ask you before, like, you, you were pretty anxious, I reckon, with regards to, um, you know, being prepared for a game, um, yes. you know, to be able to, to, to be on as a player, that, that's important, but to be able to relax, and that's where that compassion yep. comes in, that self-compassion, just in that rest, I think is, is really important. Um, 
you know yep. so that's something that's a skill we've got to be able to embrace when we've got challenging times and that i guess as well to be able to let go of uh, the attachment of everything else around us so uh, we can restore and recover and so forth and it sounds like you did that pretty well yeah it's a huge challenge um because i'm someone that my main concern going into a game is i just didn't want to let my my mates down didn't want to let my teammates down um by playing poorly or letting my opponent kick goals so early in my career i was i'd be visibly sick because i was that nervous before a game and anxious mm-hmm. and you know thinking about all the possibilities that could happen might happen or may not even happen um and it wasn't until i started you know thinking about it myself and, and talking to people and I'd go into games, and don't get me wrong, I was still nervous uh, and anxious right up until the last game, but I was able to put things in their box a little bit more, and it, it all came down to my preparation. Mm. Um, and I, I could, if I'd have things that I'd like to do uh, building up to a game, and like I said before, very meticulous with my preparation and doing research on my opponents, um, understanding the way we're playing as a team, um, and... Uh, training became super important. If I trained well and put myself in similar situations or scenarios, I felt prepared. Mm. So if I came into a game knowing I'd done everything I could to prepare for a game, I was able to alleviate a lot of that stress, not all of it, but a lot of it. So I wasn't, um, you know, so anxious that I couldn't stay calm and think clearly. Um, so that was super important. And to be able to have that, that um, preparation and to be able to feel less um, anxious before a game um, enabled me to be feel prepared for any situation or scenario that got thrown my way. And if throughout a game um, something didn't go my way, I was able to think uh, clearly and critically on why that didn't work and if it was to happen again, what I would do differently. Mm. Um, because the game, the game moves really quick. There's no time for you to sit back and, and think about, you know, poor me or I'm not playing well or, you know, why is this happening? You have to move on. You have to have um, the ability to be able to put things in its box and to deal with it later and maybe um, uh, review it at a later date um, and go through those situations and scenarios. But to move on, to learn, to be able to think clearly was really, really important. So to feel prepared was... A big thing for me and then after a game I, I after nearly every game I hardly ever slept um, mm. there was the physical side of playing a very very physical game and being exhausted but mentally I would think about the game I'd break it down in my head um, and human nature is to focus on what what went wrong mm. before what went right yeah. Um, yeah. and so I would analyze everything that I did wrong um, and probably um, be a little too harsh on myself at times, um, but also find that balance to go through what went right. Um, mm. But as a result, mentally, you've got everything going through your head uh, the night after a game, and you'd probably get you know two or three hours sleep. Um, so the, the night after was important to, to be able to put everything in its box and get that sleep your body needs. Yeah, let go. That's it, mate. It's, uh, it's interesting yeah. because... Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, your body's gone through a lot of stress and trauma through throughout a game. To be able to just release that, a lot of guys would just have a few beers and that'd sort it out pretty quick. But your body's got more yeah. trauma, to, trauma to do with then, hasn't it? You know, so yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's a bit of a balancing act. But uh, yeah, you, you you you've been switched on for so long. Being able to switch off is uh, is really important. So 
That's a good yep. thing, mate. And do, do you do anything with regards to meditation or anything now just to give your mind a rest? Uh, no, I'm not too. What I really loved was having kids where they were almost my uh, distraction. Um, I tried a bit of uh, meditation um, throughout my career, but just didn't feel like it worked for me. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe it was because I didn't. I should have, you know, stuck with it for longer to give it a, a bit more of a go. But I just didn't feel that it was working, and so I would search for something else that would work for me. Um, uh, especially after games and and even building up to games to be able to get that sleep um, that I needed. Yeah, yeah, mate. And I think that's important too is giving things a go. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. Um, and try other things. Why, with regards to my my journey, um, Yin Yoga was the thing for me because I couldn't sit and settle my mind down. So through the long stretching, yeah, your nervous system gets a. Uh, a bit of a reset and um you know that that was the thing for me to be able to you know switch off and that was hard mate for me to like as an incredibly anxious person that was always on for to be able to sit still or that was was more challenging than running up a mountain you know because <laughs> you've got all this energy yes. you just want to burn off so so yeah that was something that I, I sort of um you know was lucky enough to um to, to move into and that sort of changed my my life but um yeah, it's a journey, isn't it? And, um, you know, um, as I said before, like we, we continually evolve and be able to do that and, you know, just um, keep uh, keep exploring new things. And if something's not working for us, what can work for us and what can, um, you know, help us uh, change direction and sort of move towards the alignment that we want to be in, you know, rather than sort of going around in circles and not sort of getting too far. So it's, uh, it's important stuff, mate. But really um, grateful for the chat, Dale. We could uh, oh, keep, keep going on and on uh, for quite a, <laughs> quite a while here. I'm sure we'll have uh, another one down the track. But, um, mate, yep. um, yeah, look, uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, um, uh, please touch base with me and I'll, uh, I, can, I can hook you up. But, um, mate, yep. uh, yeah, very, very, very grateful. And I just think that, um, yeah, the best is yet to come. So, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy uh, your kids in Brisbane and, and 2022 is going to be a pretty good year for you. So just... Uh, yeah, yeah stick with it, mate. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. You could be anywhere in the world. It's what you make of it. Um, it's what you do with it, and that's that's what we plan to do. Absolutely. No, good stuff, mate.